A year and a half ago, I saw the importance of me having these tech skills. I wasn't being the teacher that they needed me to be, but I needed to know how to use these tools so that I could give these tools to my students and to help them. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired, this is A Sense of Texas. Here's your host, Kate Borg. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Kate Borg. I wrangled the microphone from Emily Coleman again because I was excited about interviewing today's guest. Have you ever met someone who is so passionate about something that it's almost like they become that thing, but in a good way, a great way even? Like at every moment, some part of their brain is always processing how to improve that thing. That's what it's like meeting my good friend Robin Clark. Robin is so passionate about the expanded core curriculum that even her three children can name the nine areas of the ECC. You will be hard-pressed to find someone who loves and understands the ECC more than Robin. So I asked her to spend some time talking about how she views current needs of students and teachers regarding the expanded core in the midst of 21st century learning. Let me start by telling you a little bit about myself. Currently, I am at the Utah Schools for the Deaf and the Blind. I get the privilege of running an expanded core curriculum team. I, I really enjoy it, but I also enjoy my other great partnerships I have. I get to work a lot at the Foundation for Blind Children in Arizona. I get to do great trainings and webinars with different schools for the blind all across the country, but really excited for my, my partnerships and my little places. Of course, in my home state in Utah, but also for the other great work that I get to do in other places. I've been in the field for quite some time now, and I, I think I reached grown-up status because <laughs> this is my 17th year in our field, and I'm kind of awestruck that I can say that it's almost 20 at this point. But I, I started out as a deaf-blind teacher in Nevada, in Las Vegas, and I just have to say really grateful to the Clark County School District for taking a chance on a under-certified, uh, <laughs> brand new gal who had crazy ideas about education. And being a deafblind teacher was probably the best way that I could have ever started my career. And anybody who has ever been a deafblind teacher knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I loved it. I started as a classroom teacher. Uh, my students were in elementary school, and I just kept growing up with them as they moved on. I moved on, and it was it was a great experience. And for those of you who really know me, you know that there is still a picture of my very first student who who still sits on my desk, and he's there. And he inspired my life so much that my my own son is named after him. I loved being a deafblind teacher. From there, I moved on to early intervention. And I, I moved on to early intervention because I wanted to work with families. And um, most of you know this about me. My own mother is blind. She has never seen me. And I love to tell her 
mom, if you want to describe me, just say I look like Beyonce and everybody will know what that means. And for a podcast audience, that works well, too. Oh, what I was just about to say, and if you've never seen me, that's exactly a great (laughs) way of describing me um, in my dreams. Um, But at any rate, I wanted to work with early intervention because I really wanted to work with families because my mother grew up in a different time of education. And for most of my life, I saw the effects of her family not understanding the needs that she had. And early intervention was great. And then from there, I, I moved on to the expanded core curriculum, which is kind of a weird jump. But I moved to Connecticut and I took a job as a vision rehabilitation therapist and as fate and luck and everything would come together. It was a vision rehabilitation therapist job in children's services. And I just want to archive this. There was a fabulous woman named Jeanette Haynes who took a chance on somebody who wasn't a vision rehabilitation therapist, but gave me this job. And I went back to graduate school And I actually went to graduate school to become a vision rehabilitation therapist. And when I was there, everybody kept talking about rehabilitation. And this is going to be really important as we talk more throughout this podcast about some different topics. But everybody kept talking about rehabilitation. And I kept thinking, what about an eight-year-old? What are they rehabilitating at all? They've not even had the experience yet. And to be completely truthful... It wasn't until that point that I had learned about the expanded core curriculum. But once I did, it's like the power plug went into the wall and the lights came on and I went, well, that's what children with vision impairments need. They need the expanded core curriculum. And of course, like many teachers, I didn't formally know what it was. But as I reflected upon my teaching practice in early intervention and, and as a deafblind teacher, I had been teaching the expanded core, but I didn't know it formally. I only knew it through association. But uh, from there on, that's what I've done. And once I really learned about the expanded core, I've never wanted to be an itinerant teacher uh, or an administrator or anything else. I love the expanded core curriculum, and I've been so privileged to study it and to learn from great people in our field and colleagues, and most importantly, students who have really taught me why we need the expanded core curriculum and what it really does for somebody's life. As someone who had an office next door to you for a few years, (laughs) (laughs) I can absolutely attest to that passion and dedication to those nine areas, that specific umbrella of the expanded core curriculum. Absolutely. That's me. And life has just brought me to great places. I did go back to graduate school to get an endorsement in curriculum and instruction. And I did that most recently. And I I did it because, again, best teaching practices, education, I wanted to learn those foundations in terms of the expanded core curriculum. And that's been something really amazing as well. I will fully admit, Robin, to taking advantage of our friendship. You also did coffee hour for us yesterday. And you talked about digital ECC lessons using EdTech resources. And that's what I'd like to talk about today. I mean, there's so much with expanded core that we could talk about. But I think that this is an area of such need and importance right now 
now. Of course, it's important to know the nine areas of the ECC, right? Of course, we have to know those. But one of the things that you stated was the importance of knowing the components of each area. Can you expand on that a little bit? Just like you said, most people know that there are nine areas, hopefully. If you're in our field, knowing those nine areas is mandatory. And it's okay, everybody, if you're like, oh, I don't really know them. But can I just say to you, then challenge yourself, do whatever you need to do. But those nine areas, that is what separates you from being a general special ed teacher. Those nine areas are the heart, blood, soul, bones, everything that makes up who we are. And so when you know those nine areas, you know that you're kind of like, well, what do they really mean? So most people don't really know that there are actually defined components for each of those nine areas. Meaning when we talk about independent living skills, that we actually have designated components. And this is really important because if you don't know the components, how do you know what independent living skills to cover, right? Knowing the components gives you direction as a teacher. Plus, it makes it not as subjective as the expanded core um, is in, in a myth. You know, everybody thinks that, oh, it's just this. But if teacher A thinks that independent living skills are A, B, and C, and teacher B thinks that C, D, and E, well, then teacher A is never going to teach C, D, and E, and teacher B is never going to teach A, B, and C. So teachers, you need to know that there are nine areas, and each of those nine areas are broken down into components. And in case you're like, well, where do I find out? Well, one, um, in my Nine More Than Core Facebook group, I have posted a graphic. You can email me. But if any of you own the book, ECC Essentials, from AFB Press or APH, in that book, it actually outlines all of the components of each of those nine areas. So you have multiple ways of finding out what those components are. But teachers, two things right now, make a post-it note in your brain. One, you have to know those nine areas. And two, you need to know that there are components that set the terms of what those nine areas are. It's not just whatever you think it is. There are designated components that you have to cover in your instruction. Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. In talking about the expanded core, but for a 21st century learner, right, that, that suddenly our field has found itself like not only are we needing to teach these things, but we're needing to do it in a way that most of us have probably not even considered needing to do before. And so you, you talked a little bit about the difference between instructional technology and assistive technology. Um, can you talk about that just a little bit now? Let me give you just a quick division. One there is a difference between assistive tech and instructional or educational technology, better known as ed tech, E-D tech. Um, it's just short for educational. But let me just break it down very easy. 
instructional or educational technology can be anything from an interactive whiteboard in a classroom to an iPad. The focus is to engage and enhance learning. As many of you know, if you've ever used a whiteboard or an iPad, there's so many more things that you can do with it. So instructional or educational technology is designed to engage and enhance learning. Now, assistive technology doesn't mean a device. Let me be very clear about that. Assistive technology does not mean a device. It can be a device, but it can also be a handle, a chair, anything that helps access the device or an activity. And so if you were ever to do a little bit more of a deeper dive into learning about assistive technology, there's usually about three different types. Those man-made devices, a technological device, something that helps that individual with a disability access the activity or the device. A Chromebook in itself can either be instructional, right, because you can use it to type or to do things with, but it can also be assistive technology because a Chromebook can help you access notes or different things. So know that there is a difference with educational technology and assistive technology. And assistive technology can be anything from a device itself. It could also be a switch. It could be anything that helps that person with a disability access information, an activity or the device. I think setting that up is really going to help as we spend the next few minutes talking a little bit about the 21st century learner. What is a 21st century learner? What do you mean by that? And why must we become 21st century teachers? Don't even get me started really about this topic because I could go on forever. <laughs> so I'm going to watch the clock and I've got a very focused answer. And one of the reasons why I'm so excited about our community waking up and learning about 21st century learning is because 21st century learners are learners for today's world. Today's world. Now, I've been a teacher for a very long time, and I did a lot of really cool things throughout my career, but I can't do the same cool things that I did 10 years ago with students because the world is not the same as it was 10 years ago. Now, can I take that idea and upgrade it? Absolutely. But the key word in that is that I've upgraded to realize what today's world is asking of our students. Now, 21st century, in a quick nutshell, means that there are an agreed upon 12 skills that make up 21st century learning. So nine areas make up the expanded core curriculum. 12 skills make up 21st century learning. Now you can go to do any kind of Google search and type in what is 21st century learning and those 12 skills will pop up. Um, so I don't wanna take too much time because I'll get down a rabbit hole telling you mm -hmm. about these things. But 21st century skills for today's world. Now, the, the bigger question is why must we become a 21st century teacher for our students? And the answer lies within one of our community's most critical and important documents, 
the national agenda. Mm. If you've never done a Google on the national agenda, put a post-it note, Google, what is the national agenda for children with vision impairments? Goal eight is where the expanded core curriculum comes from. I want to read to you the foreword to the original edition of the national agenda. As we move toward the 21st century, our society is changing and growing at an ever increasing rate. We must ensure that our children can change and grow with it so that they are not left behind, but instead fully participate in every aspect of mainstream societal life. If the children of today and tomorrow are to succeed in this way, then we must set high standards for them, for ourselves and for our programs. We must expect children to learn to a high level of competency so they can compete successfully and confidently in the global 21st century society that is fast approaching. I keep this printed up, everybody. And if you've ever heard me do any kind of training recently, I'm reading this to you. The goosebumps part of this, this was written in the 90s. The 90s. We've got some teachers that weren't even born yet. <laughs> My goodness. Oh. But why must we become this 21st century teacher? Because we must expect children to learn to a high level of competency. And dare I say, I don't mean just typically developing children. I mean children with multiple impairments, children who are deafblind. Nobody is giving what that high level is, but we must give them the tools, the experiences, and the instruction so that they can compete successfully and confidently in our society today. What would you say are important things for TVIs, TSVIs, comms, you know, anyone working with our students, what's important for them to have in their digital ECC toolkit? I feel like I can never give everybody a straight answer. I acknowledge it. My answers are always usually two or three parts. And this is important because we are teachers, which means we can't just have one or two tools that are always gonna give us what we need. So what do you need now in this digital ECC kit? There are two parts to this. So first and the most important, I cannot stress it enough, we need our assessments. Teachers, you need to know what our ECC assessments are. You need to have access to the full eval kit. That's E-V-A-L-S. You need to have a copy of the Independent Living Skills Assessment, which comes in the eval kit. If you're really not sure, make sure you get ECC Essentials. That will guide you to assessments. But the number one thing, assessments. I keep mine printed out and I keep them in a binder. They're post-it noted, tabs, so that I can constantly refer to them. Why is this the most important thing? Because the assessments, tell me as the teacher what I need to focus on. They tell me the skills I need to infuse so that I can think of the pre-teaching, the background information, or where they're going to apply these skills. But I have to know what blind or visually impaired children need in order to succeed. Now with that in my little binder, I also keep my lesson plan template, some best practices for writing good instruction, 
But the second thing that I keep are my go-to accessibility items. And I literally mean this. This could be my quick and easy tactile items. I'm a really big fan of the Wheatley tactile board. It's really the kit from APH. It's a black felt board, but it comes with all these little lines. I usually don't use all the accessory pieces, but I use that board like all the time. And it's great for my students with multiple impairments. The other things in my digital kit that I use, my Swiss Army knife, that's what I'm calling my phone these days. My apps that are on there, my magnifier, the video feature on that phone. Whenever we go out to the community, I tell the students, okay, we're going to access something. Try three or four different ways that you can access it. Some of them will use Be My Eyes. Some will use Seeing AI. Some of them will just use their video or phone features. But having multiple technology tools handheld are definitely in my go-to ECC digital kits. Someone that might be listening and feeling really overwhelmed, right? Like, oh my gosh, I have to update everything. What am I going to do? What would you say in general would be a first step? If you were to say, okay, tomorrow make this one change or, or adapt this one thing, what would you tell them? Where should teachers start? The first thing I do and did when I got started on this journey was I ask, what are they doing in schools? What apps, what platforms are they engaging students in? Because I want to know what are their peers learning. And their peers are using Nearpod and Flipgrid. And, and yes, we have ways to go with some accessibility measures. But that's what I first did. Then I got on Pinterest, everybody. And I went to EdTech blogs, EdTech posts. And that's where I found so many great resources for learning about different ways that you can use Google Slides. And then I pulled out my tech devices. But I really want to give one important thing. I could give you a list of all kinds of ways that you could use Google Slides or Google Classroom. But really, all of this begins with you. And this is where it began for me. A year and a half ago, I saw the importance of me having these tech skills. I realized that when my students were on their Braille note touches, I couldn't help them. I didn't know how to use it. And that was the problem. I wasn't being the teacher that they needed me to be. And so I spent the entire summer learning how to use it. And I, I wasn't paid extra. I wasn't even required to do it. But I needed to know how to use these tools so that I could give these tools to my students and to help them. So if you're wondering where to get started, that's where you should get started. You need to see the importance of you evolving and being the teacher that your students need in today's 21st century. Teachers, grab a partner. I realize that not all of you have um, a full display of technology, technology devices or what have you. Get, get into that social structure, whether it's teachers in your own district or connect with teachers outside, grab a partner. Maybe one of you has a Braille note touch and the other one has a Mantis. Both of you learn how to use the same thing and then trade secrets with each other. Join us on Facebook, use user manuals. Teachers are really opening their doors and their minds and their ideas. So go check those things out. You don't have to do this alone. 
So come join all of us who are just chatting and talking and learning from each other. Hey, where can people find you? So my favorite place to direct you is to Nine More Than Core, and that's the number nine more than core. If you search Robin Clark Instagram, all you're going to find is diabetes, fitness, and makeup. <laughs> but you need to make sure you look for Nine More Than Core on Instagram and Facebook. Same name, different content. And then many of you know I have a blog, The Independent Little Bee. Um, and I've been writing it for 10 years, and I'm always posting ways that you can teach the expanded core curriculum. See, I told you. Robin's passion and dedication to the expanded core is a good reminder to all of us about why it's important that we are continual learners. And, as we have all learned this past year, times and circumstances change, and we need to grow and change with them. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Join us next month as we celebrate the 50th episode of this podcast and enjoy a special presentation by the students of TSBVI. From the TSBVI Outreach Department and Ascents of Texas, I'm Kate Borg. Happy Thanksgiving. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.